I'm obsessed with Griffin Pierce. Where's Matthew? <laughs> oh, would you pray with me before we get started? <laughs> Loving God, thank you for this um, beautiful fall morning that um, after a week of rain, we can sit together outside and breathe fresh air, um, be together near a nifty fire, um, or just near those that we care about and care about us. I pray, God, that um, the warmth and spirit that we feel this morning follows us into our weeks. I pray that in Jesus' name. So this series, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about the land, which is probably not shocking given the title of the series is Of the Land. And so far, we've been looking specifically about all the ways the land itself, like the physical land, can be a way to learn about and experience God and God's kingdom. And today, we will look at the land in just a little bit different way and consider place. That land is not just this thing that we walk upon but the very thing that allows us to build community, to have a place to be from and a place to go to, a place where we can build connections with other people from that place. In Acts 22, Paul tells the story of his conversion. For the first time, we get to hear it in his own words. And the way he tells it is really important. He's going to speak a little bit to this idea of place. Um, and so if you'd like to read it together, we are going to read from the NRSV version this morning. And so more easily available than the First Nations version. If you have a Bible app or an actual physical Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 22. We're not going to read the whole thing, but a good chunk of it. And so it might be easier to follow along. Brothers and fathers, listen to the defense that I now make before you. When they heard him addressing him in he, addressing them in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. Then he said, "I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today." I persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. From them, I also received letters to the brothers in Damascus and went there in order to bind those who were there and to bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. While I was on my way and approaching Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? Then he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I asked, What am I to do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Get up and go to Damascus. There you will be told everything that has been assigned to you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, those who were with me took my hand and led me to Damascus. 
a certain Ananias, who was a devout man according to the law and well spoken of by all the Jews living there, came to me, and standing beside me, he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very hour I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear his own voice. For you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on his name. After I had returned to Jerusalem, and while I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw Jesus saying to me, Hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that I in every synagogue, that in every synagogue, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And while the blood of your witness, Stephen, was shed, I myself was standing by, approving and keeping the coats of those who killed him. Then he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this point, they listened to him, but then they shouted, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And while they were shouting, throwing off their cloaks and tossing, tossing dust into the air, the tribune directed that he was to be brought into the barracks and ordered him to be examined by flogging to find out the reason of this outcry against him. This is the word of the Lord. Sometimes I feel like, I'm like that's a weird story to say, that, to follow up with that, but yeah, but now I guess. <laughs> Let's look specifically at how Paul begins his speech um, to the Jews. Paul tells about his conversion four times, actually, in the New Testament. This is the first one. And each of those times is for a very specific and different purpose, usually understood by how he begins it. Here, he's working to persuade a Jewish community about Jesus. And to do that, he uses this like really common tool that like we use today in community organizing and other um, other ways, he establishes a connection to his audience. These people have literally just tried to kill him, and he's like, hey, listen to me, I'm talking in Hebrew. I'm one of you. He says in the beginning that he was raised and taught by a famous and influential rabbi so that they will start listening to him. He works to establish his relationship to this crowd by telling them where he was born and by speaking the language of their families, of their place. Paul tells them the story of his conversion in a really um, unique way. He starts by making it clear that he understands why they want to kill him, that he was them years ago, that what they have in common is a passion for God, though, which is like a really kind of nice way to be like, I know you were just killing me because you love God so much. I also love God that much. Maybe don't try and kill me right now. He goes, he goes so far as to say that he was even better at this endeavor, though, than they are. He says, you tried to kill me now because of your love for God, but guess what? I actually did kill people. But once he makes sure that he kn they know that he is one of them, he makes sure that he they know that the God that he loves today is the same God that they love. He starts establishing a new connection. 
And he, he works to make this connection a, a few different times. He names specifically Ananias, a man with a reputation as a good Jewish leader. This man was the one that ushered him into the Christian tradition, specifically telling him to be baptized and go forth and share what he knows, what has been told to him by God. Not only is it important that it was Ananias, it's important of what Ananias said. The God of our ancestors has chosen you. Ananias might have been believing or following a different rule or law or path that Saul was at the time, Paul, or even the Jews that Paul is talking to now. But he knows in that moment that the God that connects them all is the one that is speaking to Paul. And so he blesses Paul and says to do what, what God told him to do. And at this point, Paul has his audience captivated by sharing these details until he, men- until he mentions that Jesus sent him to the Gentiles. They listen intently to his story, seemingly wrapped even when Paul is talking about Jesus. They're not upset about that. They're with him, but it's the inclusion of the Gentiles that gets them riled up. They're not against the idea of their own conversion, only that Gentiles are also invited to the family. And ultimately, it feels like a a weird twist in the story, ultimately it doesn't work for Paul. His citizenship later in the story does protect him when he tells them, like, I'm from Rome, you really probably shouldn't be beating me to death. And so they stop. But his speech didn't work. And it's possible, I think, to feel a little defeated at this point in the story. <laughs> Paul does what feels like is the right thing to do. He lifts up connections, the ways that their families in place bring them together, the way he and the crowd are related. And he grounds everything in what they share, and it doesn't work. And I thought about this weekend once when I... Um, When I was a teacher, I went to this weekend for um, a community organizing group for education policy and reform. And when we were learning about organizing for education, I was taught these like very specific strategies that I thought of when Paul is speaking here. Find the points of connection, the things you have in common with whoever you're talking to. And I was reminded when I read this passage of the work that we did that wasn't successful even when we were using all of the right tools. And I also remember being told that it was going to be that way. That we still had to stick with it, though. They kept using this phrase um, that we were working for the way the world should be, but we were currently in the way the world is. (laughs) No matter how many times we didn't get somewhere, it was still important to stick with what we knew was right and good than to stoop to playing political games. In the next chapter, in in chapter 23, Paul is in some more danger. Um, But Jesus comes to him then and tells him to keep his courage, to keep going. And I think this might be one of those rare times when I think Paul is like absolutely right. (laughs) Where he did exactly what I think would expand the kingdom of God. The good and right thing, continuing on this journey and saying, here is how we are connected. Here is how we are related. 
He's trying to bring people together. And while this passage doesn't necessarily feel good, that the chapter leaves us thinking, maybe following Paul's lead would be a kind of terrible idea. I think this is one of those stories that helps us to know that when things aren't going so well, it doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. Perhaps this week, we can follow Paul's example when we are also doing the good work of sharing the gospel in whatever way that looks like we are doing it. By making sure that we are starting by reminding our audience of those that we are connected to, maybe even and especially the ones that they have always worked to keep a distance from. We can remind them what Ananias tells Paul, that the God of our ancestors is a God for all, and know that maybe it might not work out that time, but it doesn't mean that it's the wrong thing to do. Amen. You can...